Amen. Let's just worship the Lord a little bit longer. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you, Lord God, because you are so good to us. We've just come to give you glory and honor and praise tonight, God. We love you. We lift you up. We worship you. You are truly the God of our lives, and we're so thankful for that. Thankful uh, for your presence we feel even right now, Jesus. Thank you for what you're going to do. Thank you for what you've already done. We're going to be quick to give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen, 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 amen. I, I feel uh, I want to kind of teach, preach. I don't know how it's all going to come out, but uh, I do feel like the Lord has uh, given me some direction for this uh, service this evening. I want to talk about the miraculous power of agreement, the miraculous power of agreement. Amen. Turn, turn, if you're watching this service with somebody, why don't you just turn to them and say, there is miraculous power when we come into agreement one with another. Amen. There is miraculous power when we agree in the power of agreement, not just with one another, but with the word of the Lord. And that's what I want to focus on here this evening. We're introduced to the wicked king by the name of Balak in the Old Testament book of Numbers. Balak, as you look at his life, you'll find that he ruled the Moabite people. And when you study out the Moabites, you'll know that they were the, uh, the enemies of God's people. They were the enemies of the Israelites. And so one day, Balak decides to uh, do war uh, against the people of God. And he wanted to destroy the Israelite people. And so here was his plan. Numbers chapter 22 and verse 5, here was his plan for trying to bring destruction into the lives and hearts of the Israelites. Numbers chapter 22 and verse 5. The word of the Lord says, he sent messengers therefore unto Balaam. So Balak sent messengers to another man by the name of Balaam, the son of Beor, to Pethor, which is by the river of the land of the children of his people, to call him, saying, Behold, there is a people come out from Egypt. Talking about God's people now. Behold, they cover the face of the earth, and they, they abide over against me. Come now hither. So Balak's telling Balaam, he says, come now hither, I pray thee, and I want you to curse this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail that we may smite them, and that I may drive them out of the land. For I want that he whom thou blessest is blessed, and he whom thou cursest is cursed. And so here, so here we find uh, Balak, and he gets a hold of this man by the name of Balaam, who was actually uh, a prophet of the Lord, and he says to Balaam, he said, I heard that who, uh, if you bless somebody, they're going to be blessed, and if you curse somebody, they're going to be cursed. And so I want you to come to where I am because all of these Israelites are here, and I want you to curse the people of God. For he believed that if the prophet placed a curse on them, that, he, that they would then lose their power and they, they could then be defeated in battle. They could be conquered by the Midianites. Now, I'm not exactly sure why the prophet Balaam even had to pray about this matter, but he did pray nonetheless. So he takes it to the Lord in prayer, and, and here's what the Lord tells him in response. Numbers chapter 22 and verse 12. And God said unto Balaam, Thou shalt not go with them, thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. 
So here we find what the word of the Lord was on this matter. It's very important. For the word of the Lord said that they were a blessed people. The word of the Lord says that they were a victorious people. The word of the Lord said they were a conquering people. All of that would be encapsulated in them being a blessed people. So Balaam sends messengers back to Balak telling him what God had said. But this Balak, this wicked Balak, he was, he was a relentless, vile, evil, vindictive individual, and he really hated God's people. And so he sends word back to Balaam a second time, and he says, no, 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 I, I, I heard what you said, what God told you, that they're a blessed people, but come on, I'm, I'm sending a second time for you to come and curse the people of God. And so again, Balaam responds to this second request from Balak, Balaam responds with these words, Numbers chapter 23 and verse 7. And he took up his parable and said, Balak, the king of Moab, hath brought me from Aram out of the mountains of the east, saying, Come, curse me, Jacob. Come, defy Israel. And then watch what he says, verse 8. How shall I curse whom God hath not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom the Lord hath not defied? And again, so this is the word that he sends Balak, but you got to understand Balak, very hard-headed individual, and so he sends a third request to Balaam. Balak sends a third request to Balaam and asks him, no, 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 I know you've turned me down twice, but I'm asking you a third time. I want you to come and I want you to curse the people of God. And so Balaam responds a third time to Balak's request. And he says this in Numbers chapter 23 and verse 18. And he took up his parable and said, rise up, Balak, and hear, hearken unto me, the son of Zippor. Now watch verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? Behold, I have received commandment to bless and he hath blessed and I cannot reverse it. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Now, I'm talking tonight about the miraculous power of agreement. And here is the simple point that I feel to express to our church family tonight, and that is this. Here we find Balak, Balak, who represented the enemy. And he, stay with me, I need your minds. He wanted to get Balaam to believe that whatever he cursed would be cursed. And whatever he blessed would be blessed. But Balaam understood that the word of the Lord had the final say in the matter. Oh, hallelujah. He knew the word of the Lord had the final say. And he knew that his responsibility was to simply find out what the word of the Lord said and then to come into agreement with what God had already spoken and with what God had already ordained. He was saying this, I cannot bless what God has cursed, and I cannot curse what God has blessed. He said, Balak, my job, oh hallelujah, my job is to simply come into covenant agreement with that which God has already 
decreed. My job is not to curse or bless something. My job is to find out what the word of the Lord says about that thing and then come into agreement with what God has already established by his word. (coughs) And so I said all of that to say this. The enemy of our soul is still using the very that very same tactic in your life and in my life today. For he's lying to people and he's telling them that to pursue after and to speak that which is contrary to the word of the Lord. For his only weapon, and we've taught this many times and we'll continue to teach this many more times, we must know that the only weapon that the enemy has is lies. Somebody say lies. That's the only weapon he has. But he also knows that God's word is truth. So he tries to get us to think contrary to this book. He tries to get us to act contrary to this book. He tries to get us to live contrary to this book. He tries to get us to speak contrary to this book. But I've come to declare the word of the Lord and the fact that the word of the Lord has the final say on everything. The word of the Lord has the final say on every subject. Therefore, good saints of God, hear me. If we will come into agreement with this book, then everything God has promised to us in this word will become a reality in our lives. That's what Balaam was saying. He said, I just got to find out what the word of the Lord says, and then whatever the word of the Lord says, that is what I can command, that is what I can speak, and that is what will become a reality in the lives and hearts of those that I speak over it. For he knows, and we need to know, it is the word of the Lord that holds the power. It is the word of the Lord that holds the authority. It is the word of the Lord that holds the answers and deliverance and healing and salvation. It is found and it is all encapsulated in and by the word of the Lord. And when we come into agreement with the word of the Lord, then it will be at that point when the word of the Lord will be made manifest and will become a reality in our lives. Oh, hallelujah. We must come into agreement with the word of the Lord to activate God's word in our lives. I want you to look again at what Balaam said. For I feel like as I studied for this and prepared for this lesson this evening, I felt like the Lord gave me a, a bit of revelation and, and, and maybe, maybe you, you caught this a long time ago, but I don't guess I ever really thought of it like this. But, it, but it's helped me. Look, look again at what Balaam says, Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie. So man has the ability, there's truth and there's lies, and man has the ability to choose whether or not they're going to speak truth or whether or not they're going to speak a lie, right? That's, that's men. That's, that's our ability. We can choose. Am I going to speak truth or I'm going to speak a lie? And he says God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Now watch it. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Now, 
I've always thought, just think with me now, I've always, I've always thought of this verse along the lines of that which I've just kind of mentioned about mankind. That there are truth, there is truth, and then there is lies, and that God just would not tell the lie. That he's always going to tell the truth. That as human beings, we have the ability to choose, am I going to speak the truth or am I going to speak the lie? And we maybe not always speak the truth. Maybe sometimes we do lie. But when it comes to God, he just makes the choice. I'm always going to speak the truth and I'm not going to speak the lie. But notice, I, I don't think that's exactly what it's saying. Notice what it says. For it tells us that God is not a man that he should lie. And then it specifically says, for if he said it, he's going to do it. And if he spoke it, then he will make it good. Hear me, hear me. It's not that God doesn't lie. It's that God cannot lie. And hear me, it is not his superior morality that keeps him from lying. It's not his superior holiness that keeps him from lying. But rather it's because whenever he speaks something, whatever he speaks, it has to come to being. It has to come to pass. Why? Because he spoke it. Oh, hallelujah. That's why it is impossible. It's impossible for him to lie. He's not choosing between truth and lie. It's impossible for him to lie because if he opens his mouth to say anything, when he says it, he's not choosing between truth and lie. When he speaks it, whatever he speaks has to become a Reality. It doesn't matter what he would ever say. It could never be a lie. If it leaves his mouth, it could not possibly ever be a lie because once it left its li his lips, it had to become a reality. Oh, hallelujah. That's why he cannot lie. So it doesn't matter. Hear me. This is important because it doesn't matter what God is speaking to you. And it doesn't matter what God's word has declared into the context. I feel the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter what the word of the Lord has declared into the context of your life. If he spoke it to you, then you need to come into agreement with whatever he has spoken to you, no matter what it is, no matter how contrary our current reality is to that which God has declared into our lives, no matter the fact that we might not be able to see how he's going to do it, God, I heard this word, I heard you gave me a word, I read in, your, in the Bible and that word was to my particular issue, but I have no idea how you're going to do it. I don't know why or how or how you're even going to accomplish this. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but what you have to understand is that God cannot lie. If he spoke it, then it will become a reality if we come into agreement in faith with his word. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I feel a spirit of revelation coming into somebody's life and heart right now. You need to come into agreement with what thus saith the Lord. No matter what it looks like. You see, that's why the book says this in Psalms 
chapter 119 and verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled, settled, forever it is settled in heaven. When it comes to God's abilities, they've already been settled. They're not up for debate. His ability to do what he says he can do, it is not up for discussion. It is not up for debate. It is not up for argument for whether or not he can do what he says he can do. No, the time of arguing has already passed. It's, it's done. It's over. His word has already been settled. Whether he can do something or not should not even become a thought in our minds because his word is already settled in heaven. When it comes to God's ability to meet every need, that's already been settled. When it comes to God's ability to heal the sick and mend the brokenhearted, that's already been settled. When it comes to God's ability to deliver the addicted, that's already been settled. When it comes to God's ability to give us joy and peace and all these things that he has to offer, we don't have to question and wonder, can he do it? Can he do it? Can he do it? No. We just need to understand that because his word has already been settled, then everything that his word promised to us has already been settled and we just need to come into agreement with what thus saith the Lord. Oh hallelujah. Everything that has been written in this book has been decreed. The Lord has established it. The Lord has already dictated it into becoming a reality and we just need to come into agreement with that word. And because it's already been decreed and because it's already been spoken by the Lord, there's nothing that hell can do to stop the word of the Lord. There's nothing the enemy can do to defeat the word of the Lord. I want to help somebody right now because you're reading the word of the Lord and, and these truths are coming to you, but the enemy's telling you it's never going to happen, never going to happen. And I want you to understand something. You understand the power of the name of Jesus. You understand that there's great power in the name of Jesus and how the enemy trembles at the name and how we speak the name of Jesus and the enemy has to flee. But what you also have to keep in mind is that the word of the Lord tells us that he has exalted his word above his name. So my friend, if you thought his name was powerful, you need to understand the reason his name is powerful is because of what is found in this word. And the truths that are found in this word is what makes the name as powerful as it is right now and so the enemy's trying to discount in your mind the word of the Lord and so that's why I'm trying to help you don't discount the word don't doubt the word don't be discouraged don't think now God can God really do it no it's settled in heaven it needs to be settled in our lives as well if God's word said it I'm going to come in alignment with it I'm going to come into agreement with what the word of the Lord says and when that happens every promise in that book will be fulfilled in my life. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. I feel like somebody's being strengthened right now. I feel like somebody's being ministered to right now. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like I'm combating some lies of the enemy right now. I want you to allow the word of the Lord to speak to your heart tonight. But Because the conflict in all of this, and I've just kind of alluded to it, but the conflict in all of this arises due to the fact that the enemy of our souls... He knows this truth greater than maybe what you and I know this truth. Our adversary knows the power of God's word maybe greater than you and I know the power of God's word. And he knows the power that flows into a life 
when it comes into agreement with the word of the Lord. Therefore, he's going to do whatever he has to do in order to get you and I to doubt the word of the Lord. For once he can get us to doubt God's word, then he knows that we're more than likely not going to come into agreement or put our faith in something that we doubt. In fact, we only get three chapters into our Bibles and we already find the devil trying to discount the word of the Lord in the lives and eyes of mankind. For God has already spoken to Adam and Eve and told them not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But look at what Satan says, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, so here we go, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Hath God said, did he really say that? What was it? He was trying to put doubt in their minds concerning the word of the Lord. And then he goes on to say this. Satan goes on to say this in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 4. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. I know the word of the Lord said it, but that's not really going to happen. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And here we find again him trying to discount and lie, bring lies into their minds to discourage them from the truth of God's word. And Eve listened to those lies from hell, and she allowed herself to come into agreement with the lies of the enemy instead of the word of the Lord. And because of that, it went to Adam. And because of Adam and what he did, sin entered into mankind at that moment. And they exempted themselves from the fullness of blessings that God had given to them because they chose to believe the lie rather than to believe the truth. And the enemy got them discouraged about the truth of the word of God. And because of that, they began to doubt the word of God and because of that they missed out on the blessings that the word of God would have had in their lives. We've got to understand that hell is afraid of this book. We've got to understand that hell knows the power that resides in this book and the only way he can work his work and the only way the enemy can come into our lives and steal and kill and destroy is if he can get us somehow, some way to come out of a life and to come out of agreement with what the word of the Lord is saying to us. And that's also why he, he works so diligently to keep us from reading the word of the Lord and studying the word of the Lord because it is impossible to come into agreement with a word from the Lord that you do not know, that you have not read, that you do not know is a reality. And so the enemy of your soul would desperately desire for you to get caught up in all manner of other things during your day and not read the word of the Lord, study the word of the Lord. Why? Because he knows if they don't know what's in that book, then they could never come into agreement with what is in the book. And if they don't come into agreement with the principles and the promises of that book, then I have all these open doors that I can come into their lives and I can work my work to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so, but here's, here's what we need to do. And so I, let me just 
say this. I encourage everyone, if you're not reading the word of the Lord faithfully, if you're not studying the word of the Lord faithfully, you need to do so. Don't just rely on coming to our drive-in services and our service when we're able to come back together. Don't just rely on YouTube services where a pastor or a preacher is ministering the word of the Lord. Don't just rely on those things for your only intake of God's word. You need to get into the word of the Lord for yourself. You need to study the word of God for yourself. And everything in this book we need to come into agreement with. And so here's here's the counter for the attack of the enemy when he brings those lies into our lives. How do we counter that? Here it is. For we find even in the life of Jesus himself, the enemy came into his life and began to tempt Jesus. And look at what Jesus does. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Got a few verses, but I want to show you very clearly. It's very clearly spelled out in this this text in Matthew 4, how we resist the lies of the enemy. Then when Jesus, verse 4, chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God. There we go. If thou be the Son of God, questioning the word of the Lord. Command that these stones be made bread. But watch what Jesus says in response, verse 4. But he answered and said, It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Verse 5. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city. And sitteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And saith unto him, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down. And watch, Jesus responds back and says, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands thou shalt uh, bear thee up, lest at any time they shall dash thy foot against a stone. Excuse me, that wasn't Jesus' response. That was Satan himself saying that stuff. So even Satan knows what the word of the Lord is. But then watch Jesus' response in verse 7. Jesus saith unto him, yeah, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again and again. So that was verse 7. That was Jesus' response back to the temptation. and And his response back was the word of the Lord. It is written. Let me speak back to you the agreement that I have come into with with the word of the Lord. It is written. I know this to be true. And I could come against the attack of the enemy with the word of the Lord. Verse 8, chapter 4, book of Matthew. Devil's not done. The temptations keep coming. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if you'll fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Notice, notice, notice. As long as he stayed in agreement with the word of the Lord. There was nothing hell could do to destroy him. There was no temptation from hell that could bring him down, that could bring him low, that could bring uh, destruction into his life. For there is no temptation that can cause us to fail, to falter, as long as we stay in agreement with the word of the Lord. 
Oh, hallelujah. I feel strongly. I felt it in prayer before uh, I, I preached this today. And, 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 and as I studied and prepared my heart for the delivery of this, I just feel in my spirit that hell has been whispering into somebody's mind. He's been whispering into somebody's heart the last few days or the last few weeks. And he's telling you that it can't happen. Or he's telling you it won't happen. He, or, or, or what's the point? Or why, why, is, why are we even doing any of this? Or is this, is this faith stuff? even real? Is this supernatural miraculous stuff even real? Is God's ability to change somebody's life even real? Or can God actually do what he says he can do and he's whispering all this stuff into your ears and you experience things in life and you experience certain losses in life and uh, people make decisions and their decisions affect them and, and the outcome of those decisions affect us and because of that the enemy uses those things to bring more lies into our minds and, and more confusion into our lives and he's whispering to some and those whisperings of our spirit are ushering a, a certain level of doubt and those whisperings are, are, are bringing with them a certain level of unbelief and those whisperings are bringing a, 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 their companion of called confusion into your mind about what the word of the Lord really says if God truly is this then why did this happen? If God truly does have all power, then why didn't he stop this from happening? If God truly is a God of love, then why would he allow this thing to take place? But you need to understand why it is that you're hearing those thoughts in your mind. Because hell knows, hell knows, hear me. Oh, hallelujah. He knows that as long as he can keep you from agreement with this book then he's going to cause there to be a wedge between you and every promise that has been given to us in this book so there needs to be somebody that's why he's lying to you because he doesn't want you to experience the promises of God he doesn't want you to experience the blessings of God he's lying those thoughts in your mind because it's not for your own good it's not a reality there's no truth to it all He's just trying for there to be an open door where he can then come into your life and steal and kill and destroy and strip from you everything that is precious in your life. You need to know where the lie of the enemy is coming from when he tries to get you to doubt the word of the Lord. And so there just needs to be somebody watching this tonight that you just make up your mind once and for all. I'm going to come into agreement with the word of the Lord. And when you do, you're going to begin to walk in the realm of blessing. And when you're blessed, there's nothing that will have the ability to curse you. I've come to tell somebody that God is not a God that he should lie if he said it he's going to do it if he spoke it he's going to do everything that he spoke and it will come to pass every promise in this book is mine every chapter every verse every line I am standing on the word divine every promise in this book is mine oh hallelujah every promise in this book is mine Oh, hallelujah. 
Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Let me just say this. It's in my notes, but I feel it. I want you to understand the word of God is law. This word right here, it is law. When God spoke it, it became law. And when it comes to things that are law, emotions don't play in to that which is law. Governors and or, or, uh, 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 judges, when they, when they execute the law and Police officers, when they execute the law, they don't do it from a place of emotion. They just simply say, this is what the law says. Uh, this is the consequence for the law. There's really no emotion. They're just establishing and carrying out the law. And this is what I want you to understand. The moment, hear me, the moment you begin uh, to allow your emotions, your emotions uh, to cloud your belief in the word of the Lord uh, is the moment you should know uh, that the enemy is working in your life because he's trying to get you to operate from a place of emotion instead of a place of faith in God's word. This is a law. This is a law. It's not about what God has done or not done. It's not about who did this or who did that. It's not about what happened last time or what may happen next time. No, it has nothing to do with any of that. It doesn't matter how much we love the person or, or, or how emotionally tied we were to that particular thing that didn't necessarily turn out the way we wanted it to turn out if we start allowing our emotions to get us to doubt the word of the Lord that is a sure sign I'm talking to somebody right now that is a sure sign that the enemy is at work he's very subtle in how he works he's very subtle in how he comes and the lies in our minds if it was a very blatant lie we would just discount it and disregard it and not believe it and so he comes and he works through our emotions and he works through our pain and he works through some suffering and he works through our tears and, and because of that we begin to doubt well is God really this and does God really care and is God really concerned because if we can begin to doubt the God of the word then we're going to begin to doubt the word of God and then we begin to doubt it and then it causes us to stray away from every promise in the book and then the enemy comes and steals and kills and destroys and so I want to encourage the saints of the most high right now, if you're operating on emotion, if your thought process towards the truths and the principles and the, the promises in the word of the Lord are based upon how you feel emotionally, then you're operating in a place that is not of God and it is a place that the enemy is using to fight against you. And so you need to just come back to reality that listen, it doesn't matter how I feel right now. It doesn't matter what I'm going through emotionally right now. I I know this book has been settled in heaven and because it's been settled in heaven it's going to be settled in my life as well if I prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed then the next time I go to pray for somebody it's not going to be based on emotion I'm not going to be thinking about what didn't happen or what could have happened that didn't last time no it's not going to be about emotion at all it's about the law the law the law of the word of the Lord that when I lay my hands on the sick, they shall recover. Irrespective of what happened in my yesterdays, I'm not going to be basing how I'm going to pray for the next person upon what happened to the last person because it's not about emotion, it's about laws. And so I'm going to enforce the spiritual laws that are found in this book. And because I'm trying to help somebody, don't operate from a place of emotion. The Word of God is law. And if it is 
settled in heaven, we need to get it settled in our hearts as well. I'm just going to settle it once and for all. I'm just going to come into agreement once and for all with the word of the Lord. I'm not going to doubt it. I'm not going to put it up for debate. I'm not going to put it up on trial every time somebody gets sick, every time somebody dies, every time somebody doesn't this or doesn't that. I'm not going to put the word of God back up on trial to see if it's really real or if we can really trust it or if we can really pattern our lives after it and build our homes on it and put the foundation of our lives on the word of God I'm not going to put it on trial every time life doesn't go my way I'm just going to know it's settled in heaven and therefore it's going to be settled in my life and I'm just going to operate my life based upon my agreement with the word of the Lord oh hallelujah Oh, hallelujah. I got a few more things, but I, I feel to stop right here. I, I feel like somebody in the house, in your house right now, I wonder right now, somebody needs to begin to rebuke some lies of the enemy out of your mind. Somebody needs to begin to rebuke the lies of the enemy out of your heart. He's been whispering to you, and those whisperings are not true. They're not a reality. They're nothing but a lie, and you need to begin to rebuke those lies of the enemy right now, and somebody needs to come and just say, nevertheless, at thy word, nevertheless, Nevertheless, at thy word, it doesn't make sense. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know how you're going to accomplish it. But like Mary, nevertheless, at thy word, at thy word, I've come into agreement with your word. And because your word said it, because your word has established it, then I'm going to put my faith and my confidence in your word that everything's going to be all right. Come on, somebody begin to pray that right now. Whatever you're going through, if you don't know the problem, promise of God for the context of your personal story, then get into the word of the Lord and find the promise. Find the promise. Dig into the book. Do a study until you find that promise and then come into agreement with that promise until that promise becomes a reality in your life. Come on, let's pray right now. Come on, let's pray right now. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We're going to turn this feet off. We're going to play some music as that plays. I want you to be to respond to the word of the Lord. I want you to submit yourself to the word of the Lord, to things maybe you've been bucking up against, things you've been unsubmitted towards as it applies to the word of God. I want you to submit yourself to it. Come into agreement. There is power in agreeing with the word of the Lord. Let's pray right now. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.